Hello, beautiful humans. Wait, don't I usually say people? That was weird. I like it though. I'm gonna leave it in there. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. After a longer than intended few week hiatus, we are back with episode eight. The last half of this season has been kind of touch and go, but we are gonna have a tough but fun conversation today about compatibility. And before I get ahead of myself and really get into it, I want to establish upfront here that yes, usually people talk about compatibility specific to romantic relationships. But compatibility is a tool that plays a role in every single relationship you have with every single person you interact with. Whether that's a coworker, a family member, parent, sibling, cousin, child, or a close friend, an acquaintance, a neighbor, and of course, a significant other or a partner. So as we go through the podcast today, I want you to keep in mind the person that you feel you have the most conflict with whoever it is in your life that you find yourself in conflict with most often. This might be the person you spend the most time with or the person you're closest to, or maybe it's a coworker that you're just forced to be civil with. But regardless, it's okay. And we're gonna talk about why that happens and what to do about it. That said, this is season two, episode eight of the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast. And as always, I'm Hannah, your conflict coach. So the first question is, what is compatibility? Because I feel like we all know about compatibility, right? We've all witnessed compatibility in action in our life at some point. But when it comes to measuring compatibility, it gets really arbitrary and really confusing really fast because it's fully subjective. It's specific to each individual relationship, regardless of the nature of the relationship or the type of relationship. And actually, while the measure of compatibility in a relationship can shine a light on potential pain points, that's one of the things it's really good for, it's actually not a telltale representation of the health of a relationship. Now, studies do show that couples who rank higher in compatibility also report higher relationship satisfaction, but they also show that couples who rank higher in relationship satisfaction report higher levels of compatibility. So on a base level, building that awareness of our compatibility levels in our relationships can actually counter a lot of that potential relationship conflict. And if we're honest, the whole point of improving your conflict resolution, improving your self-regulation, improving your emotional intelligence is to be able to walk yourself and the people you love through emotionally heightened situations as they come, instead of reacting on emotion now and doing damage control later. And having an understanding of our compatibility with our people can really help us do that. But when you start actively practicing helping yourself through emotional situations like that, it gets really hard to separate your emotion and your logic. 
We've talked before about how your brain uses pathways for emotion and for logic. And when your emotions bubble up, it numbs that logic and your emotions take over to protect you. So for a lot of people, it helps to start treating your emotions and your brain like they're a really good friend of yours rather than a strict representation of your value. So how that looks is when you find yourself getting emotionally triggered, instead of taking those feelings and taking them as fact and reacting on them or judging yourself for the feelings or how you reacted to them, you ask yourself, what is my brain feeling right now? And why is it feeling that way? If I had a close friend, if someone I loved was feeling what my brain is feeling, how would I care for them? Brains are weird and they're wired to hijack your logic to protect you emotionally. I'll say that again. Brains are wired to hijack your logic to protect you emotionally. But we can bypass that wiring in the moment by thinking of our brain as a separate entity that we control. People giggle when I suggest this, but I promise it works. When we feel that rush of emotion, we can think, whoa, that's a lot of emotion. What's making my brain hijack me right now? We have to be able to step outside of ourselves enough to recognize how we're projecting our feelings, but not so far that we remove ourselves from any sort of accountability or responsibility. It's still on us. We just have to learn how to control what our brain is doing. But by approaching our emotional surges this way, it really helps pull us out of any potential spiral. And with practice, we can prevent ourselves from going down any spirals in the first place, thus opening the door for us to handle conflicts calmly, logically, confidently, maturely, intelligently. That said, when we don't react emotionally, when we get that under control, the conflict doesn't just not exist anymore. We still have to put in effort to resolve the conflict. We still have to go through the conflict resolution process. But it will be easier without heightened emotion. And as a conflict coach and a mediator, the first thing I'm taught to do when people come to me with a conflict is to find common ground. So naturally, when people ask me how to actually work through a conflict, when my friends or family, coworkers ask me, that's my first recommendation, find common ground. But that's not always possible when the conflict already exists and has been established as a problem. Sometimes everyone involved is just too mad or too hurt or too upset, too frustrated to focus on what you have in common. And that's where knowledge of compatibility comes in. Because understanding your compatibility with the people in your life is your responsibility. And it's important to take a sort of inventory of how compatible you are in all of your relationships when you're not in conflict so that you can better predict and be prepared for what areas of the relationship might breed that conflict. And... Remember, conflict does not mean that you're not compatible at all. Having lots of conflict doesn't mean that the relationship is doomed. There are always going to be areas of the relationship where you're not fully compatible. 
But if everyone in the relationship knows and understands that there isn't full compatibility in those areas, it really makes the inevitable conflict moments much less surprising and much more manageable. So let's talk about compatibility types because there are several types of compatibility that should be considered. There are several sections of compatibility that all play into the type of connection you feel in a relationship. And a lot of past research that's been done on compatibility in relationships claims that there are four types of compatibility. But all of them kind of define those a little bit differently, and newer research is breaking it down even further. And so at this point, every industry kind of segments compatibility differently. So, for example, if you go online and try to look up the different types of compatibility, you can probably get a good idea of the different groupings, but you'll probably find some that say there are three different types and some that say there are four, some that say there are six. Because what it really is is more of a really complex flowchart of all of the relationship compatibility elements. So it makes sense that everyone tries to simplify it differently. There's not a really easy cut and dry way to lay it out and get all the information in there. There's a lot of psychology involved. But for the sake of this podcast, we're just going to break compatibility down into three main types. Mental compatibility, physical compatibility, and what we're going to call deep compatibility. Each of those three types of compatibility cover a few different segments of common relationship connect points. So as I go through these, remember to keep in mind the person that you're in conflict with the most. Or if you'd rather, you can think about the person you'd most like to improve your relationship with. And these might be the same person. That's okay. But figure out who the person is for you that you want to keep in mind and we'll take an inventory of that relationship together. Starting with mental compatibility. If you're trying to determine whether or not you have mental compatibility with someone in your life, we need to think about emotion, intellect, and the way we handle conflict. So some questions you could ask would be, do you have a similar level of emotional intelligence and self-regulation? Or do you escalate each other's emotions all the time? Do you find each other intriguing? Do you learn from them as much as they learn from you or vice versa? Do you find conversation with them stimulating? And do you handle conflict in a way that leaves both people feeling bonded and satisfied with the outcome? Or does one or both of you always feel kind of like you lost? And as you answer these questions to yourself, you should be able to kind of determine whether or not mental compatibility is something that you share with the person you're keeping in mind. Same goes for the other two types of compatibility. For physical compatibility, we need to think about sexuality, biology, and interests. So some of the questions you would ask would be, does the person they choose to be in intimate moments bring you feelings of sexual arousal? 
Or do you find yourself feeling sexually disconnected? Then think of the five senses. Do you truly like and enjoy the way that they look, smell, sound, taste, feel? Or obviously whichever ones of those apply to your type of relationship. Then do you share interests? Do you tend to go to similar places? Do you enjoy similar activities? Do you enjoy talking about and doing things together? Does quality time really feel quality? And then lastly is what we're calling deep compatibility, which involves nurture, vision, and spirituality. So some of the questions would be, how were you raised? What are the values that were instilled in you as a child or adolescent or young adult that still really matter to you? What have you gone through in life that's made you the way that you are and the person that you are? Do you have those types of things in common? It doesn't have to be specifics. But do you have a similar nurturing experience? Do you have a similar raising? Do you have similar life experiences? That develops compatibility on a very deep level. Then what do you see for your future? Do you want the same things and are you willing to grow together to make that happen? What do you see your future priorities being? Does it match up? Then, do you share values in religion, spirituality, virtues? Do you differ in your most deeply held opinions, or do you admire each other's core identity? It's hard to determine which parts of compatibility are most valuable because it might differ for everybody, but typically those segments under deep compatibility how you were raised, what you see for your future, what you believe in, those types of things are most often going to be deal breakers. And as we know now, compatibility can tell us where our problems will and will not arise. Not 100% accurate 100% of the time. Life happens. Things are unpredictable. That's normal. But compatibility can tell us what's most likely to cause problems. And the kicker is that we actually have to get to know people on some level in order to determine our compatibility, which can be a confusing process. But there's truly no better way to prepare for difficult conversations and conflict moments than assessing your compatibility. So I do want to add, if you're looking to improve the health of a relationship, I would recommend you listen to this episode twice. Once by yourself taking the inventory on your own, developing your own feelings about it, and once with that person. I know that sounds scary, but to avoid feelings of ambush or anything like that, if you're bringing this topic to them blindly, it would be fair and respectful to let them listen to the episode on their own first, too. Just pro tip, it's usually helpful to bring up intense conversations casually first and be open about the fact that you want to give you and them a chance to prepare for the conversation and get emotionally regulated before having it. And the same concept applies to these compatibility inventories. This is absolutely something you can do with somebody else in an effort to improve a relationship, in an effort to 
build a deeper connection, resolve a conflict, fix some issues, whatever it may be. But this way, everyone can be on the same page about the relationship and where its potential conflict points are. And they can approach that conversation with readiness. This type of awareness and preparedness and understanding and openness and vulnerability is what we mean when we say conflict and relationships shouldn't be a you versus them mentality. It should be an us versus the problem mentality. This is collaboration in action. I remember there used to be a sign in one of my mom's old high school classrooms. She's a teacher. There used to be a sign in her classroom that said, people are most critical of the things they least understand. And I always really liked that quote. Obviously, it stuck with me. I knew that the gist was similar to don't judge a book by its cover or don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his shoes. You know, we all know on some level that we aren't supposed to judge other people. I kind of wrote it off as another one of those. I was like, great quote. But I don't think I ever really fully understood how it applied and how widely it applied until my adult life, until I studied communication and conflict resolution. And believe me, the irony of that is not lost on me. But I know now that what this quote actually reminds us is that not only should we be taking these personal accounts of the things and people we're most critical of and learning more about them so we have a full understanding of our position and the things we're interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis, but it reminds us that when other people are critical of us, it might simply be because they don't understand. They may have a complete opposite perspective on life or on the situation or on the relationship and they might not have all of the information in fact they probably don't and we have to stop judging ourselves based on the judgments that other people make about us and we especially have to stop judging ourselves based on the judgments that we think other people are making about us and we especially have to stop trying to make people understand us when they have no willingness to do so. People are most critical of the things they least understand. That tells us so much about the way we interact with each other. It tells us that those who are most critical of us likely understand us the least. And those we are most critical of are those we understand the least. It tells us about the judgments that we make and the judgments others make about us. It tells us about who we should trust, who we should confide in. It tells us about ourselves, what we're prioritizing, what we care about. If we remember that in our lives and watch it play out, we will get some very valuable information about the people and things and situations that we're giving our energy to. Are you truly compatible with the people and situations and relationships in your life? If not, then what? This was episode eight of the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast. I always love hearing your questions and feedback and responding to y'all, so please don't hesitate to reach out to me. My email address is yourconflictcoach.com 
two H's at gmail.com. And my socials are on my link tree, which should be linked in the description, no matter where you're listening. I wish you beautiful people a beautiful week, and I will see you next week. As always, I'm Hannah, your conflict coach. I love you all. Thank you.